What's going on, good people? And welcome to Live by the Three, a Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Don't forget to give me a follow on the Instagram page at Live by the Period Number Three and on Twitter at Live by the Zero Three for more Raptors content, podcast news, or if you just want to chop it up and talk hoops, please feel free to hit me up on either platform. So tonight on this edition of Live by the Three, a Raptors podcast, we're doing the reaction pod where the Raptors were hosting the Phoenix Suns. And we have a special guest, longtime friend of the podcast. We inked a deal off air where he's going to be doing uh, some work exclusively with Live by the Street. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but longtime friend of the podcast, my brother, the man they call Mac from the Running Off the Screen podcast via Raptors Republic. What is going on, my brother? Nothing much, brother. Uh, just heading into this new year with a W. Uh, feels good. To get a win before the new year feels like it's gonna be a spark uh towards the future for the raptors and uh yeah i'm glad to be back thank you for having me always a pleasure and yeah you know it's nice to finish off the the calendar year with the dub after i guess you can say a couple drubbings by the hands of the clippers and grizzlies unfortunately i i just think that the clippers and grizzlies were just more equipped to do damage and both teams that were kind of looking for that get right win and with the Raptors sputtering it almost seemed inevitable that the Raptors were gonna be on the opposite end of of a dub in those two games but either way they responded well tonight they come away with a victory 113 to 104 over the Phoenix Suns and I covered this and it's nothing profound as to what I was suggesting that it was important for the Raptors to do but it was important for the Raptors to get off to a good start and gone are those days where the Raptors can fall behind early and battle back. They do not have the pieces to support that kind of playing style, quote unquote, whether willingly or unwillingly. But the Raptors came out firing. They were dominant in areas where they kind of struggled and that is protecting points in the paint. They absolutely neutralized DeAndre Ayton tonight after getting beat up by the likes of Steven Adams and Zubox. What really stood out in that first quarter that made them get out to that hot start? Uh, I think it's more energy, more physicality. You know, you got to set the tone early. Uh, like you said, we're not really equipped to be fighting back or we can fight back, but it's always those fake comebacks that we do where <laughs> we're down 20 <laughs> and we lose by 10. So I'm pretty sure Nick Nurse got in their heads and watched a lot of film to show them, hey guys, we are not that far away from winning these games. Bring some more physicality. Take some pride on the defensive end. And we're going to keep ourselves in these games and give ourselves some momentum going into like the second half and third quarter and fourth quarter and so on. And we've done that uh, tonight. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think one thing that's very, very important with the way that this team is uh, not instructed, constructed, my apologies, is... The starting five have to set the tone because we do not have the depth coming off the bench to, I guess you can say, dig them out of the hole if they're ever in one. It's almost like we're asking too much of players to take on a heavier workload that they might not be capable of. And this is win by community and lose by community. That's unfortunately how we've been built. And asking people to do beyond what they're expected to, to do seems to be a little bit unfair. But one player particularly stands out tonight, and that was somebody that we've been a longtime fan for, inserted back into the starting lineup, Gary Trent Jr. Why are we talking about keeping this guy uh, on the bench? It, it just seems like a band-aid to a much bigger problem 
we have to have Gary Trent Jr. in the starting lineup. And tonight is a testament of that. Yeah, I agree. And I'll give Nick Nurse a little bit of credit. I see where he was going with that, bringing Gary off the bench. I, I, Like we said, our bench does not have any scoring. So his thought process was, okay, let's bring him off the bench. This is going to be our guy who can give us 15 to 20 points off the bench every night. But what was happening is that our offense on the starting lineup was struggling. And then by the time our bench comes in, we're down 20, 15 points. And it's just it's just an uphill battle. And it, when you're so uh, depleted by injury, it's, it's hard to fight. But yes, Gary has solidified himself as a starter once again. Because if you can remember, when we got Drogage, we tried to bench Gary then too. And then <laughs> two games in, he, got, he reclaimed that starting lineup uh, spot and... He kept running from there, and yeah, he's back. I always found it interesting that Gary Trent Jr. was always the one that had to sacrifice that role. Not not that it really matters whether you're starting or coming off the bench, but it just always seemed like Gary Trent Jr. was the one to kind of be the one to offer that solution or be the one to sacrifice something. It's just very bizarre that nobody else has sacrificed as much as he did, and I'm not taking anything away from the guys that put in the time and put in the effort to earn their starting spots. I know Gary Trent Jr. Uh, was traded via the Norman Powell trade. He wasn't part of these core guys, but he has carved himself into a role of importance that he's the only guy that can do this. Could you imagine, you know, taking OG out of the starting rotation and bringing him off the bench? Is he going to be able to get hot quickly or be able to come in and hit a big shot when you need it probably not it just seems like we are almost undervaluing how important gary Trent jr is to this team yes and i think the the other side of that is we need to stop overvaluing christian coloco at this point of his career now he had a great game tonight i understand that they want to try and go with more of a traditional lineup but it ends up being a negative at the end of the day so you you might as well start a small lineup, get that scoring going, get out and running and and work your way through that instead of giving or putting that guy in, in the grinder in uh, Christian Colongo, Coloco, sorry, just ruining his confidence right now. He seemed, he looks exactly like a 905 player at this point in his career. I agree with that 100%. I think historically the Raptors have not really done a great job grooming their young players, kind of, you know, throwing them into the fire. And I agree 100%. Christian Coloco is a 905 player right now. And I can see what the Raptors are trying to do by, you know, going with that more traditional lineup. But it's almost like we're asking too much of him mm -hmm. right now. Like, we, we drafted him out of a necessity. And he's supposed to be that rim runner, that shot blocker, that seven foot one rebounder he's supposed to do all the things that the raptors unfortunately failed to address in the offseason and asking a rookie to provide all that all at once in the very first year seems very unfair and unrealistic for him and almost almost as equal as unreal unrealistic expectation is the likelihood that precious is going to mm -hmm. fix all these problems coming back here which i think seems to be a little out of the, out of pocket yeah we're kind of down bad when you when we're begging for precious to come back now he will contribute uh, absolutely on the, on the defensive end uh, as a, a switchable player but he's not the savior quote unquote so i think we just need to <laughs> 
just need to shake up the roster. I know we made one move. I don't know if you want to touch on that later on, but we created an opening and I think this will start a chain of events where maybe we're going to bring Downton in off of that onto a guaranteed deal, maybe get a big as a two-way deal and then bring in another veteran big to fill, fill in some spots. But yeah, how do you feel about this roster going forward? Going into the new year, I know the 10-day contracts become eligible January 5th. Do you think we're going to hit the 10-day market or you think we're going to just stand pat for now until February? You know, I look at the last two games and, I, and just to go back to this game, it was an absolute roller coaster ride. It definitely wasn't the, I guess you can say, cleanest game from a Raptors side of things. You know, you have a team like the Phoenix Suns where they do not have Devin Booker. They have key guys out of the lineup. And for the most part, you were dominating them in, in the first quarter. And I think that's fair to say. And then you kind of let them back into the game in the second quarter. You kind of recapture things in the third. And then in the fourth quarter, you give up a big lead. And I feel that a lot of that is contributed to the production off the bench. You go, you only got 17 points coming off your bench tonight. So I think with that in mind, you have to do a move, whether it's a 10-day guy or, in my humble opinion, go out there and make a splash. Like, this is the time where you need to make a splash and address these deficiencies that you failed to address in the offseason. Like, there's no reason why you should be losing a double-digit lead to excuse me, this Phoenix Suns team. DeAndre Ayton is completely neutralized. And Chris Paul is in the twilight years of his career, but he managed to get off 12 assists, six turnovers, but still 12 assists. And he was key down the stretch as we expected. And the Raptors had no answer to whether that storm, they got a couple lucky bounces to go their way. You know, we had Christian Coloco had a big fourth quarter to close out the game. And those are all great things to see. But it almost seemed like the Raptors just got lucky down the stretch. And we can't close out games with luck. Yeah, I agree. And it, I, I don't know if it's a depth thing or the injury thing, but I'm not as happy. Like, it's good to win a game, but it doesn't feel as good coming off these performances on and off. We're very inconsistent. So maybe I'm worried because it's not a sustainable way we're playing. Like like you said, we kind of got lucky this game. They fought, the Phoenix Suns fought back and end up, ended up losing. But it just, I don't know. We just don't look like a ready team. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, OG Ananobi. Do you feel that he's slowing down a bit, uh, especially from this game? Is there anything that stood out to you this game? Well, the one thing that stood out is that he's a plus 14 this game instead of being like a minus 19 or minus 24 that it, like he was last game. I mean, the Grizzlies were a tough cover for OG. I mean, dealing with John Morant and dealing with the physicality and he's the only one that's essentially taking the brunt of it. It's kind of expected that he was going to have a bad game. But going back to tonight, I think OG has slowed down a little bit. I think... I think this is where OG is supposed to be, to be fair. I think it's it's a very efficient game from him tonight. 16 points, 6 for 10 shooting, 2 for 5 from 3, 2 for 2 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, no blocks. But this is a typical OG game. And I, and I feel like 
when he's able to do this and not playing heavy minutes like he only got 29 minutes tonight i think this is exactly where he needs to be but i think what's so terrifying about this thought is that this was without devin booker so you can only imagine if booker was playing how much more minutes og would be playing tonight so yeah i mean as great as he started i think the injury had a has a role to play in that to kind of slow uh, slowing him down a little bit because we saw that a little with pascal when he was coming back started off hot and cooled off for a couple of games but yeah i think this is where og is what do you think yeah it, it sucks to say because we were all screaming for him to be an all-star and uh not that he's playing bad but i just felt like the momentum kind of got knocked off a little bit it's it's tough with this roster it's kind of like if you're not pascal siakam there's no there's no guarantee you're going to get your touches on a on a night to night basis and uh we need that we need a second guy we need that secondary guy it's funny how people were questioning if pascal could be the number 2 guy now we're questioning if pascal can get a a, a good number 2 partner for him I was hoping that it would be OG every night, uh, but the touches and the shots haven't been really there for him. But the minutes were down this game, so hopefully next game we could see him get a little bit more productive, especially with Fred out. I also feel some of that has contributed to his ability to create an isolation. I feel that if he was a better ball handler, and let's not take away credit from OG. I think we have been one of his more harsher critics, um, <laughs> but just be, not, not because of speaking from a hateful standpoint but i think it was more so we've seen the ability we've seen you at your best why why can't you do that on a consistent basis but i think he's found a way to be consistent but asking him to do beyond that might be a little bit unfair to og with his current skill set now can he become a better a better ball handler absolutely there's still time for him to to grow in that area but to be that dependable number two option as well as being our primary defender on the on the, the and, and guarding the opposing's best player every single night i mean it's amazing that he's able to crack 20 points and guarding luca or or guarding a jason tatum or, or a kevin durant i think it's pretty pretty damn difficult to be guarding somebody of that skill set for 40 minutes and still able to produce 20 points eventually that will take its toll but i think another person that we should be focusing on is scotty barnes it's been an absolute roller coaster ride with scotty he's been great at home terrible on the road then he comes back home has a great game then now he has a bad game it, it just seems like is it fair to say that maybe pressure is kind of getting to scotty barnes or could it be that he's hurt and he's playing through an injury i think i don't want to think that i i think that the raptors would do right by their young phenom and, and, and scotty barnes and the superstar in the making that we see what's your take on scotty right now man it it's that cliche thing right it seems like it's a sophomore slump there's a little bit of um an immaturity to his game right now where it's a lot of mental errors it's a lot of things that are going on that seem preventable that's why it's frustrating and he shows so many spurts of excellence and and dominance that makes it even worse you know for for fans to to stomach um so i i'll just chalk it up to it's probably just a sophomore thing it's a, it's his focus he the game's coming at him a little bit too fast once he's able to slow it down 
Uh, he's going to dominate because he has all the tools to be a dominant paint scorer. I like what he does out of the post area, and I think he can get even better at it, adding a little bit of a fadeaway on the baselines and uh, just finishing over players like he did with uh, Vucevic a few, was it like a month or two ago? <laughs> Uh, I think he has that in him to do that every night, and it's just it's just a growing it's just a growing pains right now for Scotty. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not too concerned about Scotty's play. Um, you know, he's only in the second year, and to go beyond what people thought and absolutely go beyond expectations in your rookie year, it's no surprise that the bar has been raised. But I also feel that we're expecting too much from him and i feel that i don't know if you feel this way but it almost seems like he's the only one with a role in that starting rotation and i think it's kind of affecting his game like there's an expectation that he's gonna turn down and we've seen it we've seen scotty turn down shots and make that extra pass and it's almost like scotty why not just take it into the paint or take that free throw jumper like you know what your limitations are. You know what you're capable of doing. Get that ball, go downhill. And like you said, get to your spots. Be that pain finisher that we've seen. Do you feel that way as well? Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because I see the similar thing from um, Coloco. It seems like in their roles, they're overthinking. There's too much processing going on. They just need to read and react a little bit more, a little bit quicker and trust their abilities. I think he's second guessing himself on certain scenarios where it seems like it's three dribbles and you can get a dunk instead of taking two dribbles and navigating around to see who's at the three-point line. You know, um, he needs to take take a little bit more uh, responsibility on his abilities instead of seeing who he can get ready and who, who he can find in their spots on the court. Yeah, I agree with that. And speaking of getting to spots, let's let's focus on the, on the role players a little bit. Chris Boucher, Sputtering a little bit, had a really rough stretch, earned a Nick Nurse call out. Um, <laughs> he came back and he had a good game, but tonight, very decent minutes, not very good on the plus minus, but 20 minutes, seven points, two rebounds, one steal. It just seems like he lost his edge. Mm -hmm. He seems a little bit more passive now, and I don't know if that's an expectation from him. What's your take from Boucher's play as of late? Uh, I think Boucher is waiting for Precious to come back. I think he 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 misses his partner in crime. He's getting a little bit beat up in the pain area now. If you, I don't know if I I don't know if you noticed, but he's blocking a lot less shots on a nightly basis than he than we're more accustomed to in the past. I also uh, feel like he's out of position a lot more. Like yes, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, he's playing out of position, and that's why he looks like he's getting bullied and overwhelmed a lot. And uh, it's tough because when you're a, a bench player um, in his in his position where you don't you never know how much you're gonna play, you kind of overthink like like what we're saying with Scotty. You kind of overthink and over overdo things, and it ends up putting you in position to make mistakes. And he just needs a center beside him. He needs a solid center, and he needs a point guard that is aggressive. Now we have Malachi Flynn actually getting some minutes lately. Um, didn't have a good game tonight, but it's good to see him out there. Yeah, he just needs more playmaking. He needs somebody to set him to set him up. Because remember, when Boucher was really killing it for the Raptors is when we had Kyle Lowry, and Kyle Lowry loves to feed the big man off pick and rolls and short lobs and in the dunker spots. Like he was able to get Boucher the ball whenever he wanted. Yeah, he's just missing that right now. 
Yeah, I, I think you've summarized that perfectly. And, we, you know, Thaddeus Young tonight, you know, t- to me, Thaddeus Young gets the ultimate hall pass. You know, <laughs> him like Gary Trent Jr., you know, you don't know if he's getting minutes or not. But obviously, Gary is is far more consistent in terms of getting minutes just because of his offensive ability. But Thaddeus Young, he gets minutes here and there. He might play big. He might he might start one game. He might play like a couple minutes. But always a steady producer coming off the bench. Eight points, four rebounds, two assists, four steals tonight. He's always been active defensively. And it almost feels like why can't the rest of the Raptors be that instinctive? You know, being that defense, uh, that defense first team. It, it always seems like Thaddeus Young is always leading the charge in that area. Yeah, he's a savvy veteran. Remember, we brought him in last season because we showed a lot of or not a lot a lack of poise and he's a good stabilizer stabilizer sorry and um, he's a connector piece he just needs consistent minutes as well it's hard again to produce if you don't know who you're going to be playing with how many minutes you're going to be playing and uh it's hard to game plan right every opponent's different and with that he is that stabilizing force that he's seen a lot of different looks in the nba that he can help uh, keep the bench going and running at a decent pace. If you look at this box score, right, you got, you got to look at the rebounding off that bench too, right? We need a center. Now imagine you have Boucher off the bench, that off the bench, and you mix that in with the center. You know, that a defensive center who can read defensive rebound. Let's say a, a Andre Drummond. I, I'm not saying we're going to get him, but we need physicality in there to help these guys stop battling and getting worn down on a nightly basis. And I think Will Lou tweeted the other day. He's like, you see Thad and, and Pascal battling with uh, Zubak <laughs> in the paint, and it needs to stop. That and Zubak killed us. And yeah, I just think our guy, all our guys are out of position, and that's why they're struggling. Definitely. And I mean, when you're, you know, getting out rebounded, and like I said, you know, DeAndre Ayton didn't have a, a great game tonight. I, I mean, he only got. Shouldn't say only got it. He got seven boards tonight. But then you let a guy like Jack Landale, you know, get 11 boards on you. Like, like who is this guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but, you know, he, he's been a steady producer. And, and I feel like that's where the biggest discrepancy is. Like, you know, you're able to take off Aiton. And then Dario Saric gave them good minutes tonight. And then a Jack Landale came in. So their depth is what really brought them back in that fourth quarter. And... You know, the point discrepancy between the Raptors and the Suns in that fourth quarter is only two points. And like I said, you got 17 points from the Raptors bench tonight. And then just looking at the box score here, you got, I think, over 40 points off the Suns bench. Like, of course, they're going to be able to get back into the game. You know what I mean? Definitely. And, you know, Dalton only had four minutes. I think he could have provided more offense for you if he got more time and Man, it's, it, we're in a tough spot, you know. <laughs> we're in a tough spot. Uh, thankfully, we had Gary Trent Jr. tonight. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, I think that this win is um, on his shoulders. Uh, I think he should get the game ball if that's something they do every game. Yeah, I think we would be doing this player a, a huge disservice if we did not talk about his level of play and how he's been consistent all season long. Pascal Siakam tonight, 26 points, two rebounds, six assists. Not the impactful player that we've seen 
across the board with the you know the 10 rebounds and possibly nine assists flirting with a triple double every single night but after a very physical game against the grizzlies he logged in 41 minutes tonight 26 points eight for 17 from the field two for five from three and is becoming more efficient at the free throw line as the days go by eight for 10 80 percent from the line man what would this team look like without Pascal Siakam? <laughs> oh my gosh, we'll look like uh, a tanking team because <laughs> <laughs> he he is a he's an All NBA player. He was All NBA last year, but he's even stamping himself even further this year, and it's it's crazy. Um, in years past, we we saw him not be able to get to the line at this at this rate, and it's great to see that he's being being able to play through contact. Uh, pad his stats in a sense not pad it to like iris and pad your stats but like pad his stats to the sense that he knows how to get points on the board if his shot's not falling he can get to the line he can use his herky-jerky moves and and get the team going or get the other team in the penalty so they can be less less aggressive with the rest of your teammates i don't know i enough can't be said about pascal this season and uh, i can't wait to see our team lord willing just be at full strength yeah, I think what is a huge game changer for Pascal is his ability to be a playmaker. You know, he he is now virtually a threat in every way imaginable. He he is now teetering as to being unguardable. Like you said, when his game is struggling, he's finding other ways to be productive. He's finding ways to get to the line with those herky-jerky moves or a spin here and there. You know, he's not just doing it in the paint. Now he's stretching it out. This is a great stretch for him. He's taking a lot more threes this year and hitting at least two of them. And I feel like that was the difference. He is now essentially playing like 2019 Pascal, where he had Kawhi Leonard running alongside of him. He's doing all those things, but more. And yeah, I agree. We would be a tanking team, but I also feel that you know, because we have Pascal, and I think it's safe to say that he is a superstar now. I think he has put that argument to rest that he is a superstar, but we need to get him help. I mean, last night, and I know we're talking about the Suns, but last night was very telling because we missed a lot of open shots. And a lot of that was created from Pascal's uh, ability to, to get them the ball and get them to their spots. But it almost feels like when we don't have Freddie, we're even more reliant on Pascal Siakam. So I I feel that, you know, if OG and Scotty are going to be taking turns of, of being passive every night, that maybe we can get a spark plug, you know, like a Jordan Clarkson, for example, to kind of, you know, alleviate some of that pressure. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. He needs the help and we got to remember he's 28 years old or 20, 29. He's, he's close. He's close to 30 right now. And we got to make sure we milking his prime as much as possible, getting him to perform at the highest stage while he's playing at this level. It, it would be a shame that we don't go to the Eastern conference finals with him playing at this level. And we just waste it, you know, and let's, let's give Messiah a little bit of credit again. They tried they tried this offseason. If you hear the reports, Malcolm Brogdon says he was he was thinking about the Raptors. Dennis Schroeder was thinking said he was thinking about the Raptors. Like they were they're trying to get players 
to fill this roster. It just never fell our way. And it never does in free agency. Let's be honest. We built through the draft and we built through trade market. So with free agency opening up a little bit more with the 10 days, a 10 day is not going to save your season, but we need to be in that trade market. Help Pascal. That should be a hashtag for the in in the Raptors office, front office, all over the place. And um, I think they're going to do it. I think they're not going to waste this opportunity. How many more draft picks do you need? Because we're definitely not the best at developing players at this point, right? We want to win. You can't develop and win at the same time. It's really difficult to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to cover that later on. But it's it almost seems like we're always an injury away from, <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. falling off a cliff, you know. Right? Now Fred Van Vliet. And this this was inevitable, you know. We, we missed him, especially in the Clippers game. He couldn't go in the second half. He, we definitely missed him in the Grizzlies game. And I definitely feel that if we had Fred Van Vliet in tonight's rotation against the Phoenix Suns, I don't even think they're going to be going on that late court quarter run. You know, Freddie is always there, ready to hit that big shot, ready to make that key defensive play. Like, you know, similar to what Chris Paul did. He picked Gary Trent Jr.'s pocket. I mm -hmm. truly believe that Fred Van Vliet would have been able to have that similar play on a Phoenix Sun player and, you know, sealing the deal for for the Raptors but asking him and Pascal to just shoulder the load and it's tough it's it's absolutely tough yeah I agree I I think that we've seen it long enough the Raptors gave it a go they were banking on internal growth and you know we're now seeing that it is time it's definitely time to make that trade but who who are we gonna trade that's the problem now like man like <laughs> to get some type of return it has to be draft picks right yeah and sure. like do, do you do like a little deal with with um the suns to get jay crowder off the bench that would you be know, a good veteran not he's not gonna win your championship but i think that would be a nice thing um a, a nice addition to round up the edges of that bench but how do you think about that I think let's wrap up this game and let's jump right into that in, in the very <laughs> next part. So, so like we said, you know, the Raptors come away with a uh, come away with a victory. You know, one thirteen to one hundred four. The Suns shot thirty five for seventy one from the field at forty nine percent, fourteen for thirty from three, giving them forty seven percent and twenty for twenty three from the free throw line at eighty seven percent. The Raptors shot forty for eighty one from the field at forty nine percent, eleven for thirty three from three at thirty three percent, and twenty two for twenty six from the free throw line at 85 percent they've been getting better at the free throw line we've been seeing that efficiency going up it's great to see it's something that they've struggled with but when we look quickly look at the other stats the rebounding defensive rebounding continue to be a problem and it always seems like the raptors are ball watching on these loose balls or they're always expecting somebody else to grab that rebound we need to mitigate that immediately we need to get all hands on deck like I, I look at the example of the memphis grizzlies last night they had four guys in the paint and one guy leaking every single time jaw got the rebound lob pass over our defense and i think it went into ty's jones hand or dylan brooks hand and they finished uh, a layup on the opposite and like that's what you need the raptors they shoot the ball and everybody's running back on defense because they don't want to give up that transition bucket. But it's like, are you not going to attempt to get that rebound? You know, why are you always out of position? <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, and that's what I, um in my episode that I dropped um, earlier, I mentioned something saying 
it's it's one thing to get players with size, but it's another thing to get players that have certain like specific habits and intangibles to them. You know, and we don't have players, uh, or it seems though that we don't have the players that want to get those rebounds or are not assertive enough to get those rebounds. I think we need to like find a way to motivate these players to get rebounds. Maybe do some type of at the end of the game, whoever has the most defensive rebounds get some type of bonus or a chain or some type of thing to like <laughs> turn it into a thing that we really want to get those defensive rebounds and we don't care who's in the way, even if it's our teammate. I agree. Well, I mean, if they put forth the energy like they did in, you know, deflections tonight and steals that they did in rebounding, we'd be a far su- superior team. I mean, 15 steals tonight to the Sun 7. They forced the Suns into 27 turnovers. Like, that is Jeez. insane. And the Raptors didn't play their best game defensively, too. That's the crazy part. So imagine, like you said, with this team at full strength, what this would look like, especially on the defensive side of the basketball. But points in the paint, they were dominant. Fast break points, they are basically a wash. And it wasn't pretty, but the Raptors definitely come away with the victory. But we move on from that game. We're previewing the new year. The Raptors are taking on the Indiana Pacers, and I believe they are on the road, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they are on the road, 7 p.m. tip-off. Mac, the Pacers are not a pushover team anymore. Tyrese Halliburton is playing like an all-star, uh, like an all-star despite what Wally Zerbiak thinks. <laughs> uh, uh, Miles Turner looks to be healthy. Buddy Heal has been a, a surprise for them. They got something going on in Indiana. I, I mean, I don't see them being in contention in the next couple of years, but they are definitely a team that can be that potential middle of the pack, five, six, seven, eight type of team. But they always give the Raptors grief for whatever reason. And in your humble opinion, what would be one of the keys to victory taking on the Indiana Pacers? Uh, Well, no pun intended, but I would say slow down their pace. Uh, they <laughs> they like to run. Um, they don't have they have the length, but they don't have extreme phys- physicality. So you want to get on the boards, like we said. You want to get them to not run up and down the court, and don't let them get those elbow threes. They have Buddy Heel. He's a sniper. Um, Halliburton's a pretty effective three point shooter, even though his shot looks weird. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you you got that spark plug with Matherin. Uh, he's a good X factor for them. I like what they're doing over there. They're, like you said, they're not probably not going to be a contender this year or maybe maybe not even next year, but I could see them in that path like a Memphis Grizzlies. Like in two years, they can be like them, where they're young, they're hungry, and they can be anyone at any night with their confidence and, 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 and their youth. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. You know, rebounding has to be a priority for the Raptors tonight. Box, or at least against the Pacers, not tonight. They definitely did their job to a point against the Suns. But against the Pacers, you know, with Miles Turner, you know, we're, we're failing to mention Jalen Smith. He's been a positive player for them. And we want to limit those transition opportunities. Like, they like to get out and run. And they like to take those transition threes. So, 
we have to get back on defense. That should be at the top of their list. Have the rebounding, the limiting, the the transition opportunities. And I think play your game. I think that also has to be a huge key for the Raptors. You do damage getting into the paint now. You're going to have a hard time, you know, dealing with the likes of of a Miles Turner and and Jalen Smith. But they're not that physical group in comparison to like a Steven Adams and Jared Jackson. So you're going to find ways to get around them. I think they just have to be sure of themselves, be assertive in what you do, because the Indiana Pacers are going to capitalize on those mistakes. Yeah, most definitely. And the main thing here is the three-point shot. You said off the transition, I was saying off the elbows in the half court, like they, they thrive off that. I think against the Cavaliers, they shot 61% from three, 19 of 31. <laughs> they they have snipers. Nice, uh, Aaron Neesmith. Um, Nembard has been playing well for them. Yep. Like I already mentioned, Matherin, uh, Brissett, re- revenge game. <laughs> you know, there's so many different areas of, on the perimeter that they're going to destroy us. So we need to keep them off that, off that three-point line. Put them in the paint area. Put them in the paint make them uncomfortable they don't like playing that way make them play the way they don't like to play and that's how you're gonna get this win absolutely and no double teaming i know tyrese halliburton is good but play them honest and i feel like this is one of those games where you have to play them straight up don't overcommit. stay disciplined you know be crisp in your rotations you know fight over top of the screens i mean like you said those elbow threes if you're going under you're going to leave someone open from the perimeter. Question. Do Who do you put OG on? Do you put OG on Buddy Heal or do you put him on Halliburton? I say you start Gary Trent Jr. and have him chase Buddy Heal all night <laughs> and just put OG. You know, I, I think that's that's easy. Like, do you want OG to be running around Buddy Heal all night? You know, it's Scotty Barnes. Probably not. Right. Are you going to, you know, assuming that Freddie's not going to be ready to go? We definitely hope and we pray that. He's ready to go, but do you want Scotty Barnes dealing with the quickness of a Tyrese Halliburton on the uh, at the point of attack? Right, I think you know that's a game where Buddy Heel, Gary Trent Jr. is a wash. Put OG on Tyrese, play him straight up, and because you know that when that happens, Tyrese Halliburton is a is a in my opinion a very underrated playmaker. So yeah, yeah. he's going to be looking for those opportunities. He's going to be looking for those lob threats. So. Put OG on him. Like you said, they don't like to be touched. Be physical with him. Make him uncomfortable. And the Raptors should have success. So we got the preview out of the way. We're going to be talking about roster moves and what this front office should and should not be doing. But they definitely got busy. You touched on it. They waved our boy, Justin Champagny. 39 games, only putting up two points. I definitely feel that this was a player that the Raptors could have benefited from. Somebody with that switchability, somebody that can give you that rebounding, that ability to knock the corner three, get out in transition. We never saw his full potential, and he also wasn't given that opportunity to an extent. I, I really feel what led to his waving, and it's definitely not that Instagram post. I really hope not that free me post where he drops <laughs> 34 points in the G League. But I definitely feel like the injuries really interfered with this progression. Yeah, it's it's a tough part of this business, right? Not everyone's gonna get an opportunity. It just it's just the way it goes. 
what sucks for him is that we had so many injuries and he still couldn't crack one ounce of opportunity. And he's gone. If he ever signs with an NBA team, which he should, he's an NBA player in my eyes. He is going to kill us <laughs> on the boards and at the three point line. Uh, all the best for Champagne. But I think we, I think there was an area for him to get some time. I don't understand why we didn't give him a chance. I know his his contract was, so, was supposed to be um, guaranteed January first, and they just made a decision like, "Hey, he's not going to get a chance here. Let's let him go." But why not give him that chance? Why did you sign him in the offseason to that guarantee deal? Why did you give him the roster spot while he was injured when you had other players that you can consider? It just seemed like a weird move to me, and I think the waving could signal them signing Doughton to a guaranteed deal and then getting another player on a two-way or vice versa, get, get just getting someone on a two, uh, on a guaranteed deal and keeping Doughton. Um, hopefully, it's 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 for the better for Champagne and for us. Maybe we can get a center in there, but it's just tough to see him go without much of a chance. And he's so young. Why did you draft him? Yeah, why? <laughs> why did you give him a, like? Why did you sign him if you're not gonna give him a chance? Yeah, you you you, you know, um, it just seemed like a very strange move from him. I think that he essentially embodied what the Raptors' vision is, quote unquote. You know, he was definitely that type of player, um, somebody with a long wingspan, athletic that can do a little bit of everything. Doesn't really excel at one thing, just does a little bit of everything well. And I think definitely felt that he had the physical skill set to be a good defender. Um, but I mean, that we're going to be left wanting. And like you said, I, I definitely feel that he's going to be an NBA player. You know, he might not be a starter ever, but who knows? Stranger things have happened, but definitely can be a rotational piece just by his effort and energy we've seen a lot of players make a career off of effort plays and being that spark plug and being that energy guy and on a team where we struggle setting the tone you wonder why champagne wasn't in here you know honestly sorry um with how many starting lineups we've went through and they just never worked i was hoping that maybe one game we would have gave him that wancho spot you know, Wancho's shot wasn't dropping. He was Wancho was decent on the boards, but it was it was very difficult for him to switch on defense. He had the effort, but I just felt like Champagne would have fit in well at that spot. And if he failed, he failed, and you cut you wave him then. So at least he knows he had a fair shot. And he just didn't do it. We know moves are we're, we know moves are coming. It, it's just a matter of time. Definitely. And now let's talk about. Some very important gentlemen in Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri. Mac, I think the praise that Masai and Bobby have received are well-earned, without question. We knew that the 2019 championship run and winning the ring was going to come at a price. We are definitely paying that price right now. And, you know, it's qualified to an extent. You know, you give a little to get something in return we got a championship but the Raptors front office failed to replace those assets that we've lost since then and it just seemed to be getting worse and worse as the seasons go by you lose Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka in the same offseason and then you're rushing and then you sign Alex Len and Aaron Baines and we know how well that worked out well i mean maybe it did work out we got scotty Barnes, so you really can't complain <laughs> so maybe that was their move i i don't know but 
the Raptors are very hush hush. I think this off season is where we saw the Raptors and the rumor mill like no other season. But I think this is the time where Masai and Bobby have to show their worth, prove the people right, prove us right, show us that all our faith that we've had in you is not misplaced. I agree. Like, and it's it's been what three years since we had a regular center. We. You know you're down bad where one year we're we're all like cheering for Freddie Gillespie. No offense, but he's making hustle plays and we're we're talking like he's a reincarnation of Ben Wallace, right? And yeah, this team I think we need to just forget about that championship run. I think they're sitting on that way too much. We just need to build a proper lineup. No more of this six nine experiment. Just get hoopers, get ballers, get people who care about the game physical and right now it seems as though like i know we've been you talked about the scoring guard position right our need right now is a center i'm off that bandwagon too bro yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm off that <laughs> we need a center now it's it's i know we, we do need a guard but that can wait yes <laughs> i i i agree 100 <laughs> And, you know, all it took was a couple bad games, you know, against Zubats. You know, Zubats looked like JV, you know. (laughs) I had to do a double check. I'm like, wait, are we playing playing the Pelicans? Like, what the heck is going on? And then, you know, Steven Adams, I mean, he's just a beast. Like, it's amazing that the Thunder gave him up and then the Pelicans kind of gave up. Well, I mean, the Pelicans, you kind of understand a little bit more, you know. He's... You need room for Zion. Like, let's be real. Like, you know, at least JV can stretch the floor out. But, yeah, I am with you 100%. It's such a glaring glaring hole. Like, every stat that shows that you have a good center, we are at, like, the bottom of the league. And that's just one. That's just a small sample size. Like, if you're just going to give it to someone who doesn't know basketball, that's one thing you can show them. But if you watch the games, it's even more clear. That that center spot for the last three years has been abysmal, and it's it's weird. You can't they don't just grow on trees like good centers. So that's where I feel like they're in a, they're in a tough spot. Um, Mobamba, I I would give him a chance. What like I know he's not the most physical, but he's someone who seems like he's expendable. Uh, the Magic have a plethora of big men, plethora of front court pieces, and. He's not really getting the shine and the minutes that he may want in his career at 24 years old. He's trying to get up to his next contract. He has two years left on his deal now. I feel like we need to take a chance to get someone like that until Coloco builds his way up in a couple of years. I'm with that. Like I don't have any argument. I think Mo Bamba is, is a low-risk, high-reward situation in comparison to going towards a, a Jakob Portal where familiarity pascal gets his old teammate back you know a lot of feel good around Jakob, but it's going to come at a heavy toll quite possibly maybe a gary trent jr i don't want to necessarily see that because now you're going you're going back or you're at least making an issue a bigger issue now because you know mm-hmm. you're taking away our 1A, 1B type shooter between him and uh, Fred and Fred Van Vliet. Now you're going to create another issue. And I, and I really feel that the Raptors are not gonna, going to do multiple trades. It's definitely going to be that one trade to 
address a major issue and just kind of run with it. So I definitely feel like it's a center spot. But is there anybody else that kind of sticks out as a as a low risk high reward? I kind of like the just, idea. Okay. Yeah, at the center. Yeah, sorry, at the center spot. Is there anybody else that you would like to see here? I'm, I'm kind of originally I was against this idea, but I think the idea of a Kelly Olenek might be an intriguing piece you know if there's a way that we could get him in the keel alexander walker mm, i that. might be a little bit more inclined because now you're getting you're you're making an attempt at least you're addressing one issue you get a center he has the ability to rebound he has the ability to stretch the floor he's not that rim protector but he's that guy that has the nose for a ball nose for the ball and he'll get you those rebounds and then you have alexander walker who has that familiarity with Team Canada, the Nick Nurse influence, and I got to see him live, and I would love nothing better to see that kid in a Raptors uniform. What do you think about that? I love that idea. And the fact that they're all they're both on the same team right now would make it a little bit more of a cleaner trade package to bring back. Listen, the, the Jazz, they started off hot. Um, they're kind of sliding down those standings. Uh, I think Danny Ainge is going to have to make a decision soon. Whether he's going to, I know he probably just wants to tank and forget about it. They're not going to win a championship this year, uh, so getting a player like Olinick and Nikhil would be a perfect fit for the Raptors. Not sure what we would give up, but it has to be any combination of Kem, Thad, and some picks, and maybe throwing Malachi or Banton or something. But uh, yeah, I think their picks are going to really uh, sell Danny Ainge on that type of deal. I like I that. Agree. I, yeah, I, I agree. Is this front office on a lot of pressure? I'm leaning yes. I would say that they have pressure. But I would also say Nick Nurse has more pressure. He's mm. losing this locker room slowly. Now, we won. But if we get into another, let's say, five, six game losing streak, I think it's easier to get rid of Nick than it is to get rid of <laughs> your front office like uh Masai and Bobby so I think he would be the first uh name on the chopping block if anything were to be like a drastic downward spiral with this team in the next couple of months it would suck to see but it happens in the NBA uh but yeah there is pressure on this front office to do something here uh but that championship that they keep hanging on their hats on it it kind of gave them an extra two years of leeway I guess yeah you know, I've always been one to come to Nick Nurse's defense, and I definitely feel that some of the scrutiny is well-deserved, unfortunately. The questionable rotations, the questionable uh, decision-making, the certain plan of attacks that they have on, you know, certain matchups, you know, running consistent double teams and leaving shooters wide open. Some of it is well-deserved, but I also feel we get an injury and your solution to replacing a Fred Van Vliet is a Juancho Hernan Gomez mm-hmm. or a Thaddeus Young. That doesn't really spell depth. And you can only do so much, you know? If you're if you're building the house, you need the, the right tools, you need the right people. And I f- definitely feel that Nurse is unnecessarily on under a lot of pressure because they're expecting a contending team every single night and he may not have the right pieces how do you feel about 
giving Nick Nurse a little bit more leeway than he may or may not deserve. Man, it, it's tough because we've seen him put on a masterclass on the highest stage. Like he was able to be innovative. He was known for his innovation before he even got to us. Um, so I am frustrated with him because he's just so stubborn. He puts playoff type of rotations in the regular season. And by the time playoffs come, we're, <laughs> we're, we're already like tired and out of it. Yeah, I, he's tr- sometimes he tries to be too creative. I think that's the problem. I think so, absolutely. But I think that starts at the front office too, and yeah. I think it, I think that's just the way they built. I think they really sometimes the answer is like right in front of them, and mm-hmm. they outthink themselves. And it's like, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Why we- go down? Why don't? Why go? Why go the the rocky road when you can go through the smooth road? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they're trying to be because they've hit on so many um, far fetched acquisitions that they just keep trying to like get that high they're trying innovation, to get that right the yeah they're trying right? to they're just trying to keep going with that and say okay yeah we did this nobody thought we could do it and it worked nobody thought we could do it. but now it's just looking like it's none of them <laughs> none of their moves are working um and it's 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 adding up and i, I Masai is a smart guy uh bobby's a smart guy and they're gonna sit they're, they're probably sitting back and seeing this team even though we won again they know there's a lot to be done and Nurse, like I said, if we have another bad stretch of games, I think he's going to be gone. I don't think it's going to be easy to let him go, but I think if he loses this locker room, if a lot of turmoil starts to present itself to the media, he might be the guy who takes takes the hit. And it, it sucks. It sucks. But that's that's probably how it's going to go. Yeah, I think it's very unfortunate. Like I said, you know, the scrutiny of Nick Nurse and the way that he manages some of his game is well-deserved. But you're asking him, you know, to turn Juanjo Hernan Gomez, Thaddeus (laughs) Young, Malachi Flynn into these, these players that they may not be able to become. And is another coach going to be able to do anything different? Like, I mean... Nate McMillan, you know, we we were supposed to touch on the NBA, but Nate McMillan is looking to step down from the Atlanta Hawks. And they did that home run trade to get DeJounte Murray there and kind of, you know, send Atlanta over over the hump, so to speak. And and he's stepping away from that job. Now, I feel like if we lose Nick Nurse, somebody is going to snatch him up without question. And mm-hmm. we might miss out on, on, on an opportunity. So, before I write off Nick Nurse, I want to see Nick Nurse with one, a healthy team. And we haven't even touched on that, how much he had to be innovative and creative with with a rotating lineup. I mean, wasn't it like, you know, the Tampa season, he had like, what, 30 different lineups or was it, it the, was, the bubble season? Like some, it was something ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was, was crazy. And, you know, to still be able to be a competitive team every, every night. While that is in the past, I definitely feel like some of that past success we should have a little bit more appreciation for. But give Nick Nurse a healthy lineup. Give Nick Nurse uh, a team where he can be innovative because that's what made 2019, 2020, and even the bubble season. That's what made the Raptors the Raptors. He had the pieces to run the schemes that he, he has to run. And I definitely feel that the front office has left them out to dry mm-hmm. when it comes to that. What do you think? You know what? You make very good points. And uh, I think the foundation to his success in the past was the solidified center depth. You know, 
knowing that you can go from Mark Gasol to Serge Ibaka, totally different players, um, your team was able to adjust and you weren't predictable because you can switch it up whenever you want. You could play them together. You could get Ibaka as your shooter. You can get Mark Gasol as your playmaker. It was such a perfect harmony of, 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 I guess, roster construction that he was able to do that. So you made a really, really good point on that. I guess the pressure's on the front office to give Nick Nurse a fair shot. But yeah, injuries have killed us and it's hard to make trades nowadays. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, especially when when players are in and out of the lineup and you know, you can only bank on a player's potential for so long, right? Eventually you're going to have to show opposing teams or interested teams that, you know, this player is desirable and I definitely feel like right now where the Raptors are with players in and out of the lineup to an extent it's definitely hurting their trade value so they might not be able to maximize it right now so the raptors are in a very interesting position and i definitely feel that Masai and bobby are going to have to put on their thinking caps and really show their value right now but mac this episode was fun it was flowing we're down to the to the dying minutes of this episode, brother. I appreciate you taking the time. Let the people know what you got on tap. Well, yeah. Um, if you're listening, thank you. And uh, keep supporting Curly. He has excellent work. He's very consistent, very hardworking, very passionate. And I recommend him to anyone who loves the Raptors any any day of the week. And I got uh, I'm back. I'm back on Raptors Republic. I dropped a video. Uh, today called bravo, blurred vision <laughs> i dropped a video it's uh it's just highlighting uh the raptors philosophies and i throw in some potential trade targets for the raptors and i give reasoning behind that um, so please check that out on raptors republic's youtube and my new year's resolution will be to be more consistent and try and make more time i have a live a very busy life but i need to put out this content i'm very passionate about the raptors and i think it'll be great to just have a community of people to talk Raptors with. So, yeah. Absolutely. And listen, uh, I'm, I've been a huge supporter from day one. You inspired me to get me to this point. So I thank you for being that inspiration. Folks, like he said, check him out on Raptors Republic and on his own, his own personal page running off the screen. Great stuff. Unique perspective. He has the stats to support it. Sound arguments. He is one of the true and intelligent voices in the raptors community so definitely check out his work and as usual please do not forget to subscribe and rate and follow the podcast it'll mean so much if you take the time to do so and until the next episode everyone a happy new year a prosperous 2023 and we'll see you all then stay safe and stay healthy good people peace peace